You wouldn't want gone fishing to be your last words, would you? This world is a strange one. When you get lost in the woods and begin to hear footsteps following you, you can run, you can hide, you can defend yourself. But when you're out on the water, fishing pole in hand, if something is after you, your only choice is to slowly row away. Even if you're fishing on the bank, your back is turned and if you manage to hear it coming, you'll be trapped by the water. Fishing might be fun, but it leaves you incredibly vulnerable. So here are five allegedly true fishing horror stories. What will you do when something starts fishing for you? But first, I would love to hear any stories you might have about encounters with incubi or succubi, these demons of lust and aggression. If you've been unlucky enough to face one of these entities, send me your story at darknessprevails.org. And if you're a fan of this channel, please share this video with your friends to spread the word of Darkness Prevails. Now, let's head out to the middle of the lake. Number one, The Island, submitted by Brad. My story begins several years ago when I was 17. My friend Seth and I would go to a cabin near a river with his family each summer to fish and enjoy the water. We would travel for the day, then the next day we'd go canoeing among other things and leave by the following morning. This became an annual thing and this year was only slightly different because we had another friend of ours from out of town named Jason. Let me tell you a little bit about each of us. Jason is as close to a loose cannon as it gets, while Seth tends to nope out of most things. I usually lie in the middle. Most of the time, I'm down for most things, but I still try to keep a level head. Now, this year was also slightly different due to the fact that our usual cabin hadn't been reserved, and we had to instead move further into the woods for our cabin. We left early and got to our cabin by late afternoon, we were tired when we got there, but excited that we could finally move after being crushed together in a small car. The three of us ventured out to get sticks for the fire pit that was set up in front of the cabin. We split up so we could cover more ground. I decided to go downhill and at the bottom was a giant lake. This lake was beautiful. After being transfixed for a moment by this, I noticed that in the middle of the lake was a small island. It was covered by a small forest of trees so many that it was impossible to see through to the other side of the lake. I could barely make it out, but it seemed that it also had what looked like a small statue or a rock formation on it. Whatever it was, it was definitely man-made, but I didn't have much time to process it. Before I knew it, I was being called back by Seth. We had a pretty successful haul. That night, I kept thinking about how strange that island was. It shouldn't have been that strange, but it was. So whatever I thought, and I passed out. The next day was another super early morning that consisted of granola bars for breakfast and travel to the beginning of the river where a vendor would lend us a canoe for a fee. It was a blast. After the ride, it was about early afternoon and the three of us had plenty of time to do whatever we wanted. Thinking about that island, I suggested we go fishing. A small part of me wanted to go fishing, but a much bigger part of me wanted to go check out that island. So we hustled another canoe from the back of Seth's father's truck and we set out. 
While on the lake, the guys were having fun trying to figure out how to even work a fishing pole while I was glued to this island. On closer inspection, the woods on it were even thicker than I imagined. The strangest part though was the fact that the stone figure I'd seen the day before was gone. I circled that island four or five times and nothing. Noticing my lack of participation, Jason piped up and asked if I was interested in checking the island out. Jolted by his keen eye, I politely declined, stating that it was just interesting to look at, although I was very curious. For the rest of the day until nightfall, I thought about it. I couldn't get it out of my head. It almost felt like it was drawing me to it, like it was emitting some magnetic energy and I was clearly attracted to it. Around the campfire, Jason felt it was the opportune time to tell ghost stories. I told mine after his and the two of us were feeding off of each other's tales, while Seth was not into the situation in the slightest. After things calmed down, Jason then popped up from the seat and said, let's go to that island. Now, I said, it's two in the morning, man. Exactly, he replied, the perfect time to test out our courage. I turned to look at Seth and he gave me a look that completely defined the word no. And I looked back at Jason and I said after a moment, let's do this. And then the two of us headed out, equipped only with an electric lantern and a pump BB gun. You know, for protection, obviously. Crossing the lake wasn't difficult since the moon and the stars reflected off the night blue water. I had found a spot for us and we landed. On the way there, I felt this was exhilarating. Now, finally in front of the dense trees, I felt weak and afraid, but I knew I couldn't back down, not after taking the time and effort to come all the way out here. Jason and I switched items. He had led first with the lantern. Each step made me feel the lantern in front of me grow darker and darker. I gripped the BB gun as I heard noises behind me. I immediately thought, footsteps. But Jason persevered. He mustn't have heard what I heard, but I was going insane, being clasped in a sea of trees and darkness. Further we went until suddenly the lantern got brighter. We were in the middle of the island. It was a small clearing with no trees. We both looked at each other and began to search the area. There was really nothing there, and before we knew it, we were both chuckling about how silly this whole situation was. We turned to go back the way we came, until I stepped on something. It was strange, because it didn't feel like solid ground. I stepped on it again, and it sounded like creaking. Jason heard this too, and he illuminated the spot. After a little brushing, I discovered a door, a trap door leading directly into the ground. What the heck was it doing here? What was inside? As I reached for it, I heard laughing in the distance. I looked up at Jason and he had fear spread across his face. I turned around toward the noise and I saw a figure of a man standing before the clearing. He didn't say a word. He just kept chuckling to himself, followed by full-blown laughter. I couldn't see his face since the lantern was so dim at that moment. Then he stopped. I felt his eyes peer at me as he broke out into a full sprint towards the two of us. At this time, I instinctively fired a shot from the BB gun at him. He winced and the two of us bolted out of there. I could barely ready the BB gun again mid-run and I screamed that we need to get back to the canoe. I could hear he was very close to us. 
The lantern flailed back and forth until Jason turned around and threw the thing at him. I had to duck, but I had no idea that the guy was directly behind me when Jason had made impact. Now in the darkness, we made it to where we thought the canoe was. There was a problem though, because the canoe was gone. The thing had disappeared. Even in the starlight, it was impossible to locate it. Without thinking, I dove into the water and swam as hard as I could with Jason behind me. Halfway there, I thought, as I glanced over my shoulder to the island, and I saw the figure of that man standing at the shore. He was waving, waving goodbye to us, like we were close friends leaving after a pleasant visit. This guy was crazy. Breaking the water and emerging on shore, we climbed up the hill and woke everyone up. We had to tell everybody what happened. We left the very same night, in fear that this psycho man might come after us. The next morning, the cops went out to the island and looked in the trap door. When we heard back from them, they said that it led to a room with makeshift shelves, but with nothing there. They claimed that whatever was there had been moved out, all except for one thing, a human femur. Multiple possibilities ran through my head. The feeling of dread, knowing that there was another person like me that lost their life out of possible curiosity. If that man really was a killer, then maybe I could have been a victim, someone who stumbled upon the island and never saw it coming. Honestly, it haunts me to this day, knowing that on a fishing trip, I was mere inches away from being grabbed, from being taken back to the trap door, and then God knows what, and that trap door still sits in the middle of the island. Number two, The Witch in the Woods, submitted by Crystal. This happened to my dad a few years ago. Let's call my dad Joe and his friend Steve. They decided to go out to the country to do some fishing. There was a wooded area that had a river running through the bottom of it. So they grabbed their fishing poles and ice chest and headed out. When they arrived, Joe set up some chairs and Steve got the fishing poles together. They sat there for a while when my dad got up to use the restroom. While doing his business from where he was standing, he could see something sitting on a big rock that was just off in the distance. He kept his eyes on it as he finished with relieving himself. Then he started to walk a little closer to see what this thing was that was sitting on the rock. The closer he got, the more he could make out of this thing. What he saw was a half-human, half-bird-like creature. To this day, he swears it had the face of an old woman and the body of a big black bird. It had massive claws on its feet and it was just staring at my dad, sitting there. My dad slowly backed up and quickly walked back to where Steve was sitting, not daring to run. When he got back, Steve saw this scared look on Joe's face and asked him what was wrong. My dad said that he saw a witch. Steve was more curious than anything and said that he wanted to see as well. So Joe pointed in the direction of where he saw it and Steve began walking a few feet when he saw the witch sitting on the rock as well. The curiosity Steve had flooded out of him fast and they both immediately took off running home hoping that the creature wouldn't follow them.
This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. Do you believe in monsters? And given the chance, would you be brave enough to track one down on your own? In June's Journey, people are the true monsters, and you can live the story yourself rather than sitting back and listening to one. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Number 3. It Wasn't a Gar. Submitted by The One Who Hides in the Shadows. This occurred in 2007 when I was 9 years old. My family has always been very outdoorsy. And that summer, my dad, my two brothers, Luke and Owen, ages 15 and 12 respectively, and I had gone camping at a site in Virginia. For the life of me, I can't remember its name. We spent the first few days doing normal touristy stuff like canoeing, hiking, and fishing. On the morning of the fourth day, my brothers and I woke up early with the intent of going for an early morning swim. There was a large lake just out of eyesight of our tent, and after woofing down a quick breakfast, we put on our swimming trunks, got our fishing stuff just in case, and set off. Luke was more interested in a large fishing pier at the lake. When we got there, two other people were already fishing there by the time we arrived. There was a man in his 40s and what looked to be his son. He must have been 14. Upon seeing us dressed in swimming trunks, the boy rose to his feet and told us, I wouldn't swim there if I were you. There's a lot of gar around and they can really cut you up. I glanced over at Owen who shrugged and in his typical reckless fashion, he dove right in the water head first. I didn't want to be left out, so I jumped in after him while Luke sat down next to the boy and he began to set up his fishing pole. We had been swimming for around 15 minutes, drifting gradually farther and farther out. The water was very deep here, at least 20 feet. But we really didn't worry about it since Owen and I were both on the swim team back home. At one point, I was swimming underwater, eyes closed, enjoying the cool temperature of it when a hand closed around my ankle. Surprised, my eyes shot open and I yanked my leg back, trying to get Owen to let go of me. His hand held on tightly though and annoyed, I turned to push him away. 
and that's when I saw it, the thing that wasn't Owen. It had long bluish green hair that billowed out around it, eyes that were entirely black with long legs with wide webbed feet. Its green skin was scaly and it had skeletal thin arms ending in long many fingered hands. They ended in claws that looked hooked like a cat's, perfect for latching on and never letting go. As I watched, the thing opened its mouth, bearing rows of tiny razor sharp teeth and it pulled me down deeper into the shadowy depths below. All on instinct and panicked, I kicked and screamed, accidentally letting out air, but I managed to kick the thing with my free foot. It opened its hideous mouth again, and with a wordless scream, it raked its claws down my leg. It was incredibly painful, and only a second or two later, I could see the familiar red color floating up in the water in wisps. I was bleeding and I realized that I could not fight this thing. My head was spinning and my vision was beginning to blur, and in a morbid satisfaction, I knew I would drown before this thing had its way with me. My energy was leaving me and I closed my eyes, and that was when I felt strong hands gripping my arms and I was pulled back up to the surface. I emerged gasping and coughing. Owen and Luke grasped my arms and pulled me to the shore. The whole time my leg was burning and I could see that there were long, deep cuts in it. Luke and Owen carried me back to the campsite and they woke up my dad and quickly they took me to the ER. My leg was fine once they cleared up all the blood and luckily enough, I didn't need any stitches. But to this day, I still have the faint scars from the event. They told me later that when I hadn't come back up, Luke had gotten worried, so he and Owen came looking for me. They said that when they found me, something shot away through the water at top speed, and before they got a good look at it, it was gone. I told everyone about the thing. I told them every detail, but of course, no one believed me. They dismissed it as my imagination, and they figured that it must have been one of the gar that the boy warned us about, but I know better. My eyes did not deceive me that day, so if anyone knows what the thing I saw may have been, I'd love to hear about it. Number four, Scoutmaster's Voice, submitted by Anonymous. I am an Eagle Scout in Ohio, and I do a lot of camping. Most of these campouts, I go fishing because it gets me away from the younger scouts. And when this all happened, I was at peace until it all went to hell. The trip started out very enjoyable. We ate, played capture the flag, etc. It got late and most everybody went to bed, but me and a friend of mine decided to go night fishing. So about midnight, we headed out to a lake. It was about a mile and a half from the campsite, but I always thought the long walk was half the fun. It seemed routine to us. When we got there, we were greeted by the usual crickets and frogs. We sat down and set up our fishing poles and we enjoyed nature for the longest while. But about 45 minutes later, something started to happen. First of all, all the crickets and frogs and creatures of the night, they suddenly went quiet. All the night noises had just faded away, and now this supernatural silence had become louder than the noises before. Being an avid outdoors person, this weird silence has always been a bad sign. Honestly, we started to get a bit creeped out, so a few minutes later of enduring this, we decided to head back to camp. And this is where things got freaky. 
While packing up our fishing stuff, we heard this disturbingly loud screech from across the lake, and we heard branches breaking. We stood there in terrified awe, listening as these sounds were coming around the lake, coming toward us, and better yet, it was coming fast. Now, both my friend and I have been taught many animal calls, especially those local to the region, but never, not once in either of our lives, have we heard an animal quite like this. Out of fear, we both immediately drew out our pocket knives, but something told me that these weren't going to help much. We were 15 years old at the time, and whatever was out there was breaking those branches with ease. We looked around, trying to find a place to hide, and we found one of those stationary latrines with a door almost cut off, except for the plexiglass window. So we booked it over to the latrine. The two of us hunkered down and got as quiet as we possibly could. We heard noises just outside on the lake. Now me being me and being very curious, it got the best of me. So I looked out of the window and I saw the creepiest thing I've ever seen in my life. There was something just outside where we had just been, and it was extremely pale and very skinny. It had long, lanky arms with what appeared to be claws at the end. It seemed it must have sensed it was being watched because it suddenly turned around and it locked eyes with me. I slid back down to hide and we locked the latrine door. And the next thing we know, there is scratching just outside. Neither of us dared to look out there. But that's not the most frightening part. As we cowered in fear on the floor of the latrine, we heard something outside say, Scouts, what are you doing in the latrine? It, it sounded exactly like my scoutmaster, but it wasn't. It was like it was twisted and distorted. That whole night, we listened to this thing outside, trying to get in at us. Not soon enough, dawn came, and the noises outside faded away. We waited a few hours after dawn. I think it was about 9.30. We slowly came out with all of the color drained from our faces. We headed back to camp and we swore not to tell a soul. It was only recently after we were doing research on Native American legends that we figured out that it must have been a Wendigo. From then on, we decided every time we were brave enough to go fishing, we would bring more protection, maybe hatchets and machetes. The dark half of me wanted to see this thing again, maybe even face it, to see if it truly was a supernatural creature such as the Wendigo. But still, to this day, both of our fishing poles were gone when we came out, and we still have no idea what happened to them. And number five, who is hiding in the wilderness? Submitted by The Girl from Sweden. This story happened to a friend of mine. We can call him John. John has always been a great runner and very good at sports. I remember him from middle school as he was a few years older than me, that he would climb up on the roof of the school like nothing. And he was always the fastest at the sports events we had before the summer break. It was when we had finished school. I hadn't heard from him for a while, but when I did speak to him again, he had quite the story to tell. Now he had always enjoyed fishing and to be alone. He had no problem camping alone in the nature of Sweden. He would often go beside lakes where there was plenty of trout so that he could catch some fish and eat it for supper. 
We have many places to fish here, along with many, many miles of only woods, save for the occasional lake and road. There are a few houses on the outer range of that area, but otherwise it's way off in the wilderness. In this area, there's a place that the old Swedish folklore say that the youngsters from old days went to dance in the Midsummer's Eve. Stories tell of a girl who was to be married, and on the Midsummer's night, a black-dressed man came from the shadows and danced her around and around, so much so that her feet were bleeding, and then he dragged her down into the lake. From that day on, they say that no grass will grow on that spot. I've seen it myself, both the grass-free spot and the little lake. This story has always creeped me out. Anyway, John packed his bike and he headed out to one of these lakes. At one point, he passed the haunted lake from the stories. But he didn't stop there. He continued to bike further to another lake that had much nicer, less creepy surroundings. There was a windshed and the woods around stood dark and old, save for the open meadow behind the shed. If there's anything to know about Swedish summer, you'll know that it never gets really dark. When the evening comes, the mist creeps up over the water of the lake and makes eerie figures. This we call the elf dance. John began fishing and grilling fish that he caught over an open fire and alone he ate. The only sounds were the seabirds that came out in the evening those birds that screamed their ghostly howling noise. When he felt tired, he went into the shed and he laid down in his sleeping bag. Beside him, he had his bag with a big hunting knife, just in case. He was just about to doze off when he heard something coming from over the meadow behind the shed. Now, there was an opening from the shed that let him look out over the lake, but John couldn't see anything but the sky and the darkness, but the footsteps were loud and firm, like someone marching in rubber boots. John yelled out, who's there? The echo of his voice bounced over the lake and the marching stopped. John didn't know what to think. Maybe it was one of his friends who had come to joke with him. But if it was, why didn't they answer or continue to walk? There was dead silence. John could only hear his heart pounding in his ears. Whoever that was walking towards the shed had stopped now and they knew that John was in it. He carefully grabbed his hunting knife and he crawled up with his back to the wall. He held his knife with both hands in front of him, and he waited. Still silence. Had this rubber-booted man snuck off into the silence, or was he still standing directly behind the shed? Maybe 15 minutes went by when suddenly a dark figure jumped into the shed, and it lunged at John. John didn't have time to react. He suddenly felt something impale itself on the knife he held in front of him, and then it turned and bolted out of the shed and it took off running down the lake towards the woods. John quickly got his gear and ran in the opposite direction. He ran all the way until he reached the houses, and he pounded on the first door he found in the middle of the night. He left his bike and everything that he couldn't carry. I asked him about this a few months ago, and he confirmed it. He said that it was the strangest thing, because there was really no place to run by the lake. But somehow, this big black thing or person hid without a trace. So who knows who hides in those woods? You guys are just the best, you know that? Joining me so eagerly to share in these scary stories. I love reading these tales, no matter the nightmares I wake up from. So long as you support me, I hope I can always be here to bring you new chills, new thrills, and the freakiest kind of entertainment. There's no scary message here today, 
just some honest gratitude from a YouTuber that's been humbled by an amazing audience. So to you, thank you. Be sure to like, share, comment, and subscribe if you enjoyed the video. And don't forget to send me your true scary stories at darknessprevails.org. Life's better with American Family Insurance because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit Amfem.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.